Well, if we could, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling, if we could turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And continue our study of this chapter of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're reading at verse 8, verses 8 to 10. But it says there, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And so on. I'm sure that many of you uh, will be glad to know that the summer holidays, they're only three weeks away. Many of you will probably uh, give a sigh of relief. They're on their way. And maybe I'm, I'm sure that if you're planning on going away on holiday, you've probably booked it by now. And you know, there's always a lot to think about when you're going on holiday. Uh, where to stay, how much to pack, what kind of clothes to pack, depending on where you're going. And when you're going on holiday, well, there's also lots to remember. That's why I'm so thankful I have Alison. Otherwise, I would never go anywhere and I'd never do anything. And, well, we'd never have anything packed. But, you know, I don't suppose that you've ever packed a suitcase and just jumped on the ferry or jumped on the plane, gone to the airport and jumped on the plane and you've just left your home, you've packed your bag ready to go and you have no idea where you're going to go. Uh, well, maybe you have done that. Maybe you live exciting lives with no planning and just go for it. But you know, it would be one thing to go on holiday for a week and never have planned to go there. But it would be another thing completely to pack a suitcase, take your family and leave everything else behind. Uh, leave behind your home, your extended family, your friends, your, your job, your church, your community. Just to leave it all behind and go, not knowing exactly where you're going. Now, that would be a very difficult move to make. And that's the move that Abraham made that we read about here. Abraham, he just took some of his belongings. He took his wife, his nephew. He left his home and he went to the place that the Lord had promised him. And Abraham went to a place that he didn't know anything about. But he was willing and obedient to the Lord's command. He was willing to be obedient to the Lord's command. And you know, as we've considered these different men of faith, we considered Abel, we saw faith worshipping. We considered Enoch, we saw faith walking. We considered Noah last week and we saw faith working. And now this morning as we consider Abraham, we see faith willing. Faith willing. Abraham's faith was a willing faith. It was a faith that was willing to be obedient to the Lord's command and go to the place that the Lord had promised him. Abraham's faith was a willing faith. It was a committed faith. And as we said before, Hebrews 11, it's all about answering this one question. What does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ? And we've said before, faith in Jesus Christ it involves confidence in Jesus Christ, conviction about Jesus Christ, and commitment to Jesus Christ. And that's what Abraham had. 
He had confidence, conviction and commitment to Jesus Christ. And so as we consider Abraham's willing faith, I just want us to think about three things. I want us to think about the command, the covenant, and then lastly, the craftsman. The command, the covenant, and the craftsman. So look first of all at the command. Now look at verse 8. What it says in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And you know, when we're introduced to Abraham, we're introduced to him at a crucial point in the Bible. Because, well, in Genesis 1 to 11, the first five chapters, we have the creation, then we have Adam, then verses chapter 6 to 9 of Genesis, chapter 6 to 9, we have the story of Noah. And we saw some of that last week, that God destroyed the world with a flood because of the sin of mankind. But then as we move into Genesis 10 and then Genesis 11, we see that it doesn't take long for sin to become rampant in the world again. Because at the beginning of Genesis 11, we have the Tower of Babel. Where mankind, they wanted to build a tower that would try and reach up to heaven. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to be greater than God. But God judged them. God confused their languages. Where there was no longer one language for the people, but they spoke many different languages so that they didn't understand one another. It was all Babel, hence the name the Tower of Babel. And because of their sin, just like it was with Adam and Eve, the Lord drove them out of the Garden of Eden. It was the same in Genesis 11. The Lord drove all these sinful people out into the nations of the world. They all spread out throughout the nations of the world and they were in disarray. They were all speaking different languages. They were all babbling to one another and they were all sinful and needed a saviour. And then you come into Genesis 12. The Lord calls Abraham to himself. And that's how Genesis 12 begins. Genesis 12, it's to be seen as a new beginning. It's to be seen as a promise of hope and salvation through a saviour. Because we're told that despite the sinfulness of mankind and despite all these babbling languages and despite the fact that everyone has been spread throughout all the continents of the world, we're told in Genesis 12 verse 1, Now, now the Lord said to Abraham. And that word now, it should emphasize to us, this is a defining moment. This is the beginning of something new, something Wonderful, something glorious, something completely different to the sin and rebellion that is now spreading throughout the world. Now the Lord said to Abraham. And what the Lord gave to Abraham was a command Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. The authorized version expresses this command much more clearly. Because the Lord says to Abraham, get out. Get out. Get out of your country. Get away from your family. And go to the land that I will show you. It was an authoritative command. Get out. But you know, why was the Lord issuing such a strong command? What was wrong with where Abraham was? 
What was wrong with his home? What was wrong with his family? What was wrong with Abraham's upbringing? Do you know, my friend, when the Lord found Abraham, Abraham was living in a place of sin and idolatry. Abraham was born and brought up in Ur of the Chaldeans, which was a city south of Babylon, located in modern-day Iraq. And out of the Chaldeans, it was a place of idolatry. It was a, they worshipped false idols. They bowed down to false gods. But what out of the Chaldeans was famous for was worshipping the moon. They were moon worshippers. And that was Abraham's background. That was his upbringing. That was his identity. He identified with all these moon worshippers from out of the Chaldeans. Abraham dwelt in sin and idolatry. But when the Lord found Abraham, and when the Lord spoke to Abraham, and when the Lord commanded Abraham to come out from his life of sin and idolatry, Abraham responded. Abraham had to be obedient to the Lord's command and get out. He had to get out. And you know, what's interesting is that the word obedience, it comes from the root word to hear. It's like a military term where the commanding officer, he would give his command and the soldiers who are under his authority, they would hear the order. And as soon as they hear the order, they would respond in obedience. And that's what we see with Abraham. Abraham, he heard the voice of the commander in chief, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And as soon as Abraham heard the voice of the Lord, he knew that he had to respond in obedience. As soon as Abraham heard the command, he knew that he needed to flee from his sin and his idolatry. Abraham knew that he needed to turn away from his sin and he needed to turn to the Lord and obey the voice of the Lord. And of course, it was a big step. It was a big move. It was a big commitment. The man was 75 years of age. He had been worshipping the moon for most of his life. That was his culture. That's how he lived. He was so comfortable and used to the people and used to what he was doing but then the Lord spoke into his life and when the Lord spoke into this man's life he knew it was a big step he knew he had to obey he knew it wasn't going to be easy he knew it would bring many changes into his life and that there would be many changes for his family because out of the Chaldeans that was the place he grew up that was his home that was what he knew that was his identity And he had deep associations with his life there. But Abraham knew that what the Lord was promising him was far better. And so Abraham, he responded in obedience. We're told here in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham responded in obedience to the command of the Lord. But for you, my unconverted friend here today, I wonder, are you like Abraham? Are you like Abraham? Where the Lord has found you, dwelling in sin and idolatry, He knows where you are. He knows what you're like. He knows you're graceless and godless. And like Abraham, this has been your dwelling place since birth. 
You've been in sin since you were conceived in it, born in it, born in iniquity. And up until today, you've been like Abraham, chasing after all the false gods and the false idols of, that this world presents to you. You've been putting them before the Lord. They've been first in your life. You've been making them your priority. You've been living for them, pleasing them, taking pleasure in them. And these things, they might not be sinful in and of themselves. But these things, they have taken your attention away from what really matters. What is of the utmost importance. The well-being of your soul. And yet what's remarkable is that you know that the Lord has found you. You know that the Lord is speaking to you. You know that the Lord is challenging you. You know that the Lord is saying to you, as he said to Abraham long ago, get out. Get out. Flee from your life of sin and idolatry. Turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus in repentance. And like Abraham, you might have an identity with those who dwell in sin with you. You might have an, a, an identity with all your unconverted friends because you were brought up with them and they know you so well and they're part of your community and they're part of your life and you do things with them. And maybe like Abraham, if you obey the voice of the Lord, it will bring changes in your life and it will bring changes to your friends and to your family. And there's no doubt turning away from sin and turning to follow the Lord. Turning away from your old life and turning to a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. Yes, it's a big step. It's a big move. It's a big commitment. It's not easy. But like Abraham, you know that what the Lord is promising you is far better than what you have already. Because you know the gospel, it promises to you eternal life it's far better than eternal death the gospel promises to you salvation it's far better than damnation the gospel promises to you adoption which is far better than being an outcast the gospel promises to you righteousness which is far better than being unrighteous before a holy God the gospel promises to you perfection in heaven and without doubt, it is far better than being condemned in hell. My friend, you know that the Lord is, what the Lord is promising you is far better than what you have already. And you know that the Lord has found you. That the Lord is speaking to you. The Lord is challenging you. And you know that the Lord is speaking to you. And he's not only asking you to respond. He's commanding you to respond. The Lord is commanding you to respond. Because you know the gospel, it's a command from the lips of King Jesus. And he commands you, come. That's his command. He commands you, seek. That's his command. He commands you, repent. He commands you, believe, trust he commands you to confess him as your Lord and Savior. My friend, the Lord is speaking to you. But you know, failure to respond to his command. That's disobedience. And disobedience is sin. The Lord is speaking to you. And you're hearing what you need to do. You know what you need to do. 
You know that you need to respond in obedience. You know that you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. So my friend. Why don't you just humble yourself. And submit to his authority. And obey his command. Why don't you make today. A new day. A new beginning. A new start. A new life. Why don't you take that step. And commit your life to Jesus Christ. By confessing Jesus Christ. As your Lord and Saviour. Because that's what Abraham did. He obeyed the Lord's command. And then he received the blessing of the covenant. He obeyed the command. And received the blessing of the covenant. And that's what I'd like us to consider secondly. So the command and the covenant. We'll read again at verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise. As in a foreign land. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Heirs with him of the same promise. So when Abraham obeyed the Lord's command to leave his life of sin and idolatry. Abraham received the blessing of the covenant. And what was part of this covenant was the promise of land. It was a promised land. And the land was promised by a covenant. Now a covenant it was and it still is. It's a legally binding contract. Very similar to a marriage. Because when a covenant is made it's, made, it's a mutual agreement made between two parties. Just like a man and a woman, they come and get married. And they, they come and stand before God and they make a covenant to one another in the sight of God. But the problem with God making a covenant with mankind was that mankind was an unequal party. He was sinful. We're sinful. And the Lord knew that mankind could never keep their side of the contract. They could never be perfect and holy and righteous and blameless. Mankind would fail and the covenant would be null and void. That's what happened with Adam in the garden. The covenant was made with Adam. But Adam fell into an estate of sin and misery. And that sin and misery had spread throughout the whole world. But this is the wonder of the story of Abraham. When the Lord called Abraham to himself. The Lord entered into a second covenant. Which is often called the covenant of of grace. And it's called the covenant of grace because the Lord didn't enter into this covenant because of how faithful Abraham was. Abraham didn't receive the covenant promise by any merit of his own or because he was worthy of it or because he was a good person or because he went to church or because he attended Sunday school. No, the Lord initiated his covenant by an act of grace. It was an act of unmerited favor. In which God made this binding promise in his love and out of his own good pleasure. It was all of grace. It was grace alone. And Abraham, he received this covenant promise by faith alone. But you know the beauty of this covenant of grace? Was that the Lord sought to do something. In order that there was nothing that could break this covenant promise with Abraham. The Lord sought to do something in order that he could redeem a people to himself regardless of how wayward they could be. 
And the wonder of it all, my friend, is that the Lord graciously bound himself to this covenant. In in this covenant, the Lord promised to Abraham and his seed that he will be their God and they will be his people. And that even if they were wayward or disobedient or unfaithful to the covenant, the Lord would always remain faithful. My friend, the covenant of grace, it's an unbreakable covenant. But of course, in order to receive the rich blessings of this covenant of grace, the Lord demands faith and obedience. Because the conditions of the covenant of grace was that obedience will bring blessing, disobedience will bring cursing. And that's what we read about in Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abraham, get out. And then he says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the conditions of the covenant of grace was obedience will bring blessing. Disobedience will bring cursing. But you know what's remarkable is that even in disobedience, the covenant of grace could not be broken. Because the Lord bound himself to this covenant. He bound himself to his covenant people. And it's because of this covenant promise and the Lord's covenant faithfulness. You know, it's because of this that we can have the assurance that the Lord will never cast us off. That when we trust in the Lord, that when we commit our lives to him, that when we come to Jesus on bended knee, submitting our life to him, we have the promise that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never cast us off. And we can have that assurance today because the Lord has bound himself to you by his covenant love and faithfulness. And you know, if you need assurance today that you're a Christian, then you need to look at this covenant. If you need assurance that you're in Christ, if you need assurance that you have committed your life to Jesus, and yes, you are a Christian, but you're not sure if it's actually genuine, then, you know, this is where your assurance is. This is where your hope of salvation is. It's in the heart of God's covenant. That there is nothing you can do to make him love you any more than he already does. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. Because you're part of this covenant of grace. Not because of anything you've done. Or anything you've achieved. Or anything, any merit of your own. This is the wonder of it. It's by faith alone. In Christ alone. It's all of grace. But you know what's so wonderful is that this covenant of grace. It was not only given to Abraham. It was also given to all his children. The future generations, his children and his children's children, they were to receive this covenant promise. That's what we read about in verse 9. By faith, Abraham went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. He never lived in a tent with Jacob. But it's emphasizing the promise. They were heirs with him of the same promise. They lived in the same tent because they were part of the same promise. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the future generations, they were to receive this covenant promise of God's grace. Because it was the same covenant. 
The same covenant that was affirmed to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to Joshua, to David, to Solomon, to Hezekiah, to Jeremiah. And then revealed again to us in the New Testament, Jesus says, this is the new covenant in my blood. The same covenant, just a different dispensation. And it's this covenant in which every believer can enter into by faith alone. My friend, the God of the Bible is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. And when God made this covenant with Abraham, his desire was that through his seed, all the nations, all the families of the earth would be blessed. That's what we read in Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And all the families of the earth would be blessed by entering into this covenant promise by faith in Jesus Christ. And you know, we must never forget that this covenant promise that we're reading about here, this promise of God's grace, it is to us and to our children. Because family, as we read in Genesis 12, family is, a, is what's at the heart of the covenant with Abraham. Therefore, the covenant of grace is a family covenant. It's to us and to our children. Which means that the Lord cares about our families. The Lord wants our families to know him and love him. The Lord wants our children and our children's children to know him and to love him. You know, that's why we baptize our children. Because of this covenant promise that is to us and to our children. Of course, baptizing a child, it doesn't mean that they will be saved. Baptism has never saved anyone. It doesn't make you a good person. Baptism doesn't grant you access into heaven. Baptism doesn't make you favorable with God. No, baptism is a promise that we make as parents or sometimes as adults. But most of the time in our context here, baptism is a promise that we make as parents that we will bring up our children to know the Lord and to be in church and to be taught the word of God and to, to live it out by our own example. And we're to pray for them, praying that our children will come to know the Lord and experience the blessings of this covenant promise. And in our baptism vows, that's what you and I have promised we will do. And we need to remember to uphold our baptism vows as best as we can. Because maybe for you today, your children, they were baptized a long time ago. And now they've grown up, they've left home, they're living their own lives, they're doing their own thing. And yet today they're still strangers to grace and to God. But you know, my friend, this is your hope. This is where you come. This is what you plead you come to the Lord and you plead the covenant of grace. You plead that he would grant the covenant promises of his grace that are to us and to our children. Because the covenant promise, it's a promise of blessing to all nations, to us and to our children. So you keep pleading. You keep asking the Lord that your children would know him. That they would love him. That they would follow him. As you have come to know him. And come to follow him. And come to love him. 
But you know, we said earlier that because of their sin and rebellion, the Lord drove mankind into all the nations, all the continents of the world. But through Abraham, the Lord didn't leave mankind to himself. Because when the Lord called Abraham to himself, the Lord promised that through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And you know, as we said in the opening item of praise, that was the missionary vision which the psalmist had when he wrote Psalm 100. The psalmist considered this covenant of grace that was to us and to our children, the covenant made with Abraham. And he expressed his desire that all people that on earth do dwell would sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. And you know the wonderful thing is, my friend, you're included in this. Don't think you're not included. Don't think this is for someone else. Don't think it's for that person who's much better than me. No, the covenant made with Abraham, it was so that you could come to know the blessings of salvation and the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. But you know, sometimes I wonder why you withhold from yourself such happiness and joy. You have the greatest promise here. God's promise, his covenant promise, that's still live, still active, and it's being freely held out to you. You're, and you're being pleaded with. I don't know how much more pleading I can do. I've often thought if I could, I would shake you myself. I love you that much that I would want to shake you myself and remind you that this promise, it's been held out to you. And all you need to do is receive it. And yet you don't come, you don't embrace Jesus Christ as your saviour. And why is that? Why do you do that to yourself? Why do you stay away? Why do you put it off? Why do you reject the greatest gift that will ever be offered to you in your entire life? Why? Why do you do that to yourself? My friend, do you know why Abraham obeyed the Lord's command to follow him? It was because the covenant involved the promise of blessing. And then as we see in, as we're going to verse 10, that promise, it would be completed by the craftsman God himself. And that's what we see lastly and very, very briefly. We see the craftsman. In verse 10. The command, the covenant, and the craftsman. Look again at verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Verse 10 explains the reason Abraham responded and obeyed the Lord's command. Verse 10 explains the reason why he entered into that covenant of grace by faith. It was because Abraham knew that what the Lord was offering him was far better. Far better than anything this world could offer him. And by laying hold of the covenant promised by faith, Abraham 
looked to a heavenly city. A city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And this is what's key. The Lord was the craftsman of his salvation. The Lord was the builder and maker of that great city. The city of salvation. The Lord was the architect and the founder of the heavenly city of salvation. And what this means is that salvation was all God's idea. Salvation is the Lord's initiative. It's not our plan. It's his plan. It's his promise. It's handed to us by grace alone. Extended to us. Put into our lap. And it's all unmerited. There's nothing we can do to earn this salvation that is in our lap. Except to just receive it. And commit our lives to it by faith alone. There's nothing else we can do. But commit our lives to it by faith alone. And like Abraham. When you respond in obedience. And when you commit your life to the Lord by faith. The craftsman. He will work in your life. He will renew you. He will restore you day by day. He will work in your heart. He will shape you. He'll work in your mind. He'll change your mind. Transform your mind. He'll transform your life. And you know, he will keep working in you. He will keep working in you. Until that salvation is complete. And it will only be complete. When you reach that city that hath foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. And you know, that's the promise of the New Testament. He who began a good work in you. He will bring it on to completion. At the day of Christ Jesus. That's the Christian's hope. Is that your hope? That's our hope that, that he has begun the good work. He will bring it on to completion. My friend. There is nothing stopping you. Today. From committing your life to Jesus Christ. There's nothing stopping you from making him your Lord and Savior. There's nothing stopping you. So don't put it off. Obey the command. Obey the command. Step out in faith. Enter into this great covenant. And the promises that follow with it. The promise of eternal life. Enter into it by faith alone. And you'll know this great promise. That this craftsman, he will work in your life. He will shape your life. He will give you joy in your life. And he will keep working in your life. Until he brings you home. To that city that hath foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. Don't put it off. No more. Don't put it off any longer. You commit your life today. To this Christ. Who loved us and gave himself for us. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give thanks to thee for that wonderful reminder. That thou art a God who, who calls thy people to himself. That thou art the one who issues the command to come. To seek the Lord. To ask that we might receive. And Lord, we pray that for those who have not yet come, that they would come. That today would be a new day. That today would be a new dawn in their life and a new beginning. 
where they take that step of faith and commit their life to Jesus and confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Help us, Lord, to trust in this covenant promise, a covenant of grace, freely given, and that we might receive it freely as well, by faith alone. O Lord, bless us, we pray. Work in our lives, we ask, by thy Spirit. And help us to keep looking like Abraham did, looking to that city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Keep us, Lord, we ask thee. Go before us, we pray, and do us good, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Shall bring our service to a conclusion by singing the words of Psalm 105. Psalm 105, we're singing the last uh, few verses, from verse 42 down to the end of the psalm, page 377. Psalm 105 from verse 42. For on his holy promise he, and servant Abram thought, with joy his people his elect, with gladness forth he brought. And unto them the pleasant lands he of the heathen gave, that of the people's labour they inheritance might have, that they his statutes might observe according to his word, and that they might his laws obey, give praise unto the Lord. These verses to God's praise. Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore.